Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce my guests, I am now going to every so often or once a week or twice a week tell you guys what I'm watching or what I'm listening to that I really am enjoying. So I haven't had a lot of time between now and the last podcast, but I have been watching Making the Cut on Amazon with my daughter. We're still not done yet, but it's really fun. It's on, uh, it's, it's Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn and obviously from Project Runway. And it's kind of like Project Runway on crack. They are huge designers already that are going to be, are poised to be global brands and it's very international and very fabulous. And they kind of they just they just take it up a few levels and I'm I'm really liking it. Um the one thing I don't like is they have these little vignettes with Heidi and Tim which are unnecessary, but other than that, I will give it a watch. Um and I'm excited to see who wins that. And other than that, I haven't had a chance to get to any of the stuff on my list, but I am up to date on Shaws of Sunset, which just had an amazing season finale last night. That is just one big hot mess of a show. And of course, my tried and true Shark Tank, which has two episodes this week. One was last night, Friday, and then another one coming up on Wednesday of this coming week. So that's Wednesday, May 6th. So Shark Tank just is the best and I love it and it makes me happy. Okay. So today on the podcast, I've got three guests, um, two together and then one separately. It's part three now of my producers in the time of COVID-19. First up are my friends Dwight Smith and Michael Agbabian from Mission Control. And you guys can go back. If you look at the show notes, you can find my original interview with Mike and Dwight, Michael and Dwight. Um, They are great guys, great producers. They're best known for Hollywood Game Night on NBC. The Soup with the reboot, which just premiered on E! before the quarantine happened. And then they have a new show coming up uh, that just dropped on Quibi called Floored, which we talk about. That's super fun. Um, We talk about how they're doing and what kinds of things are they're selling, what kinds of things have been hampering them in the quarantine. So enjoy my chat with Dwight and Michael. Hey, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be back. How are we going to distinguish your voices? How did we do this last time? I'm the really uh, nasally one that sounds like that's this. That's Michael. Yep. Yeah. And um, I'm the one that's, I guess, not so nasal. The other one. I wish people could see you, Dwight, because you've got the whole setup with the cans and the professional mic. You look like Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I mean business. Yeah, I've taken this seriously. We're doing a podcast, people. I think this is your future. I can see it. Maybe so. We'll see. There's sound it. baffling around him and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. what are those things, those mouth guard things, you know, where for spit, spit building guards, my setup yeah. for this for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Weeks. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. Yes, yeah. it is. So tell me how you guys have been doing personally, because we haven't really caught up in the quarantine. Well, Dwight and I texted a little bit, but, but how have you been holding up? I mean, you know, I think it's, what are we in week six? I, I don't, I don't even, even know. Seven, I, can't I think. Even tell. I, maybe it's seven at this point. I mean, generally speaking, I think I've been okay. I think for me, you know, uh, all the days blend together. I think everybody would agree with that. Um, yes. But, you know, it's kind of get a little tiring, admittedly, because, you know, you're surrounded by, you don't have a lot of stimuli other than what's at your house. And, you know, you've got a lot of phone calls and Zooms and emails that you can't really escape because it's just there. And I think I've learned that, you know, as much as, you know, you, we, we've been able to do a lot of work from home, admittedly. I think we've been fortunate in that respect, um, which I'm sure we'll probably get into. It's just that separation of work from home. Just, you know, that drive that you normally took to the office, that moment to change your headspace is just gone. It's right. just, you know, you're, you wake up and you're in and you're in it, at least for me, almost till I go to bed. It's just a nonstop work. So no blowing off no. steam, doing yoga or anything else? I do. A, okay. I try to do a workout in the morning if I can. And that's pretty much, yeah. And I take a walk around the neighborhood, although my neighborhood's very hilly. Very so hilly. it's like really a rigorous walk. It's right. not that it's pleasurable. Hike. So um, I too try to get out, you know, a couple times during the week. But to be honest, 
you know, you're not supposed to technically. So I've been home most of the time. Good boy. Dwight? Uh, pretty much the same. I mean, I agree with the challenge of trying to separate work from home when you're just in it 24 seven, you don't ever leave. And um, I walk my dog and I try to work out on a regular basis. But other than that, it does feel like this just unending loop that we're all in and you lose track of what day it is. Every day just feels like it's this weird sort of repeat of, uh, of each day. So it's um, yeah, it's crazy. So on the professional side, obviously you guys are running a company, you have employees, you have shows. How did you deal with it when everything came down in terms of, okay, how are we going to do this? What are the first things you did to get the house in order? For me, I would say it was pretty amazing how quickly we just kind of shifted and adjusted. Um, I think Michael and I made the decision, it was over the weekend that we were going to uh, start to work from home for everybody. So we got word to the staff and that Monday we just started doing all of our meetings um, on Zoom. We had already started looking into it and sort of figuring out how to do pitches and how to do meetings and all of that via that um, leading up to that time, we kind of had been prepping for it. So when the time came, I think we felt pretty well prepared. It was kind of crazy how quickly things just kind of shifted and fell into place. And did you have shows? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I think we were realizing as companies were starting to do like, you know, UTA was starting to work from home, like on that Thursday. And, and, you know, I think CBS was starting to work from home on a Friday. Dwight and I were saying NBC, I think did that on starting on Thursday. We were like, okay, we got to figure this out pretty quickly. And so when we realized all the big boys were doing it, we were like, we should probably figure this out. Fortunately, you know, as Dwight said, a lot of our stuff is in the cloud and, you know, we're a lot of all, most of our documents are electronic and it does, it does, we we were able to transition quickly, but um, to be honest, it was a little scary. And we really made the decision that Sunday, I think, the WHO made the decision that it was a pandemic, like on a Wednesday. And then I think on that Sunday, Dwight and I were like, we, we just got to keep people at home like this. We can't, we can't do anything here. So, yeah. So did you have shows that were already in production that you needed to stop down? Like where were you in terms of producing stuff that you already had going on? We did. We had things that are kind of all over the whole gamut in terms of the, the impact um, we were doing yeah, the, the soup. soup, right? Yeah, we were doing the soup at the time and we were five episodes in and made the decision to shut that down. Mm. So, um, the soup is on hold right now. We are, uh, talking to E on a regular basis about when it will make sense and when it'll be safe to bring that back. Um, is that a show that, that, that could happen from home though? I mean, where she could do it like the late night hosts are doing? She could. We talked about that and there was a whole sort of healthy discussion about it. I think we all ultimately decided that it was a show that was just sort of being relaunched and it was just sort of finding itself. And all of the other shows that are doing it are things that have been on for years. And I think, you know, you're so used to those things that when somebody, when Jimmy Kimmel's sitting in his kitchen or something like that, you know, you've you've been with him for years. And uh, this was a show that was just kind of coming back. And we wanted to make sure that as we were finding our audience and reintroducing it to people that we were sort of showing the show in the best uh, way possible. So we decided we were going to stuff. And uh, we had another one, um, which was for Quibi, which had been shot, which uh, was in post. And so we were able to, uh, in the middle of the post process, uh, adjust and have everybody continue to work from home and to finish that show and deliver that um, from a work from home model. And that's premiering any day or just premiered? That just premiered. That's floored. We actually have two shows on Quibi right now. One is Floored, which is our dance competition series, which is hosted by Liza Koshy, which is this crazy competition where we sort of like a wipeout meets a a dance competition. It is basically these uh, dancers who have to compete on this crazy big moving floor, which shakes and spins and tilts. And then there's all sorts of obstacles and perils that are thrown at them uh, during their dance performance too. So it's a, it's a crazy spin on a dance show. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Who came up with that idea? That's a great idea. We have a partner on it, Heath Lumen, um, who is a, a really great producer and just a really good guy. And uh, he works on Big Brother. And he's uh, he's amazing at coming up with all these big, crazy, uh, crazy ideas. So he originally brought the idea to us and then we developed it together and then took it out. So fun. And what's the other one? Uh, the other one for Quibi is called Pop 5. 
And that is a show which is a daily uh, pop music news show. That one we've been able to actually continue in production. Um, it has a work from home model. So our host uh, shoots himself at home. Our editors are editing at home. Our producers all work from home. They do a, a daily Zoom call. So that one actually, the, the, the model of that show actually has allowed for it to, to continue. And it's worked out pretty well. And we were fortunate in that one that we got... Um, got ahead of, of things pretty quickly and were able to get a setup at our host's house. We kind of moved pieces of the set into his house. He was kind enough to let us invade his home. Amazing. And uh, yeah, so we got this whole thing set up over there. So um, that's been working out fine. We have this big, beautiful set that we built for the show, which is just sitting unused on a stage right now. We look forward to uh, getting to go back to that stage at some point. But until now, yeah, we're just uh, shooting at our host's house. Well, that's good you were able to make that transition, especially for a new platform like Quibi. Yeah, that was that was a, a a good stroke there that we were able to kind of shift so quickly and keep that thing going. And what else are you guys still doing Hollywood Game Night? We are well, Game Night we shot uh so many episodes last year, so there's more episodes to air this oh, summer. Great. Um which I think now with the Olympics gone, the air schedule may move up. Uh last right. I heard it was July. Um, although uh, things can change, uh, but yeah, game night's still, you know, game night's still, you know, around, uh, but we have no in immediate, uh, plans to shoot another full season. Um, but it is definitely around. I mean, obviously we would not be able to do it now in, in this environment, at least the regular version. Um, and then, uh, we also were really fortunate. So we were shooting, we have a show at Netflix, which is a, live action animated hybrid wow. um which is complicated cool and complicated as you can imagine and we just made it we had a live action shoot for four days and our last shoot day i believe was march 10th oh my god and literally march 11th the who said this is a global pandemic and and netflix who's an amazing partner was very proactive about making sure everybody was safe and they didn't want, you know, no one had any issues and there was, everything was fine. We literally just made it. I mean, by the day. Um, and now the rest of that shows an animation. So, you know, which can be done remotely and done without, you know, people in the same space. So uh, we Is it unscripted? lucked out there. It's an unscripted scripted hybrid. Oh, I'm so intrigued. Um, it's a, yeah, I wish I could, we could talk more about it, but we can't because obviously I haven't announced it. So, um, but uh, we lucked out. I, I just, that to me, if we were literally one day later, we would have had an incomplete show and the ability to make that thing work would have been a big challenge. Like it was really important to get that live action piece done. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, we were that I have to say we were really fortunate. Um, and when we were doing the online for Floored, which is what Dwight was talking about, we were in the online bay the next day. And we, that was the day if you remember, there was this day there was all these alerts about shows shutting down and amusement parks closing and the NBA canceling. I mean, yeah. there, like literally every two minutes, there was an email out about uh, an alert. We were sitting in an online and we knew then we're like, yeah, we're not going to be sitting in this online in about a week. Wow. And didn't happen. Lo and obviously. behold. Yeah. Lo and behold, here we are. So you guys have had some really good traction pitching during this pandemic, right? And getting some shows greenlit. Uh, yeah. We've had a couple things that have happened that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, which is great. We have one that hasn't been announced yet, which is uh, for a broadcast network that we're doing, Ooh. which is a, I will say it is sort of a um, social distancing take on an existing franchise from that network, but we can't really talk about it yet because it hasn't been uh, announced oh yet. Oh my God. But you that know how fun. I that get was... about these teasers. <laughs> Listen, I would love to tell you about it. <laughs> I would tell you about it if I could, but um, they haven't announced it yet. But that one has had a lot of uh, interesting challenges uh, with uh, on all sorts of fronts, but uh, we're excited about it. I think it's gonna be really cool. So that's now, something, sorry, that's in production already? It yes. is, it is. It's in, wow. pre, it's in pre right now, yeah. 
In fact, the call that I would assume that I was on before this one was about that. So, so that is whatever it is, it's embracing all of this. And we're going to mm-hmm. see this soon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully in May. So I, that's, I actually don't even know. We don't know the air date. We're just getting it made fast. But yeah, we have that. And then we uh, we're in partnership with um, Jackbox Games, which uh, I don't know if you know Jackbox Games. They are a... They make a lot of party games like Quiplash, Fibbage, Drawful. Yeah, originally it was You Don't Know Jack back in the day. And then okay. they sort of became this much larger sort of creative force with all these party games. They have had a tremendous year, as you can imagine, with the pandemic because everybody's been home. I mean, most of the video game industry has just been on fire because, you know, right. what are people going to do? Um, so they've been very, you know, they've been blessed to have a huge top of the year and you know in a weird time they're actually doing very very well uh so they wanted to give back to the community um and give back to COVID-19 charities and frontline responders and you know just a lot of different aspects of our world that's been affected by this virus so as a thank you for you know the success they've had during this time so we've already had a relationship with them because we're working on a different project with them. And, and we talked about the idea of doing a charity event. So around their games. So oh, wow. they, they fully embraced it. Um, it's actually starting tomorrow. There's our first live stream. It's going to be on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Mixer. And it's um, basically celebra- celebrities playing uh, their games for charity. And the celebrities are just playing just to have fun. Jackbox is giving the money. So Jackbox is giving $100,000 per episode to a, to, to a charity. There's 10 episodes, 10 different charities. So they're giving away a million dollars across wow. the month of May for the most part. So they're really, you know, and we've gotten a great, celebrity response so far uh, again unfortunately i can't say who they are yet i'm sorry but um we we've got some good great folks that have agreed to do it you know they'll do it from their home um and a lot of them are, are jackbox fans so they know the games so they're they're very you know familiar with it um and it should be cool it's a little scary because it's live it's streaming you know, we admittedly have never done anything for Twitch before. Uh, so that's new. Um, and we're but doing keep, it with celebrities like who've never done so, anything for Twitch. Right. So. But I also feel like people are so forgiving of mistakes now and just embracing the mess of it all. Because just nothing, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's kids are coming into frame and messing up his monologue. I mean, there's just there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. So I feel like things that we would have freaked out about six months ago, we're like, ah, it happens. No, you're right. I think we we have permission right now to uh, be a little sloppy. <laughs> we don't want to be, but it's okay. <laughs> exactly. But if that happens, you know, so be it. We've got permission. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, that's the, really exciting. I'm glad. Things while to we're hear it. in, yeah, this thing that we're in. So uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to my podcast with Jason Sarlanis from TLC, but something that he said struck me, kind of stayed in my head about development being about the future, right? So that now we're stuck in this shitty present, but that the great thing about development is we're not thinking about now, we're thinking about when this is all over and what's possible in six months or a year. So were you guys thinking about what kinds of shows you want to do in six months to a year, hopefully when we're not shut in and we're able to resume whatever the new normal is and planning for that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're always looking ahead. That's that's part of what development is. And I think right now, uh, we're a really interesting time that we're looking at what are people going to want to watch and what sort of mindset are they going to have when we all come out of this? I think people are probably going to want uh, to laugh. I think they're going to want to feel good. I think people are not going to want things that are heavy or dark. Um, and I think we all, yeah, could use a little lightness and fun. So I think we're focusing on some things in that direction. We've got some fun stuff coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's anybody's guess, but that's kind of what we're thinking right now. I think uh, one thing that we have to really think about, which really nobody has figured out is um, how do you do a show with a live audience? You know, how do you do a show that is bigger than say 
25 people on stage, you know, which of course is many shows. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of questions that, you know, we do, you know, one of the, as you know, we do Hollywood game night. We are known for doing game shows I mean, game shows live usually off of an audience. It's an important part of the genre. Um, you know, uh, competition shows that are in studio. I mean, talent shows, uh, I mean, for example, Floored, if Floored was done without an audience, you know, I think it would have been a weird, just weird, you know, it's like, there's a lot of things that we have to make that leap. And the one thing we haven't, I mean, among many things is how to think about these potential future shows, even though we're back up and running, even though we have production, even though you could say, okay, send anyone to Georgia because Georgia's more lenient than California <laughs> right now. I don't know how the show actually works. I think I think it's a real question about like, okay, a control room. Well, there's not six feet apart. People are not six feet apart in a right. control room. Um, it's Do just you think doesn't there's happen. Gonna be industry standards. Like, are we all gonna get together as an industry and figure it out together? Because I feel like there does need to be I feel like it's gonna be the wild, wild west and things could get really hairy, not in a good way, if everyone just kind of goes off and figures out what's best. So I would love for everyone to get together and say, okay, here's how confessionals will work. Here's how game shows will work. Here's how, and and obviously it's not like law, but it just gives us some cohesiveness. I, I think that would be great. I, you know, I, I think that we need to do something like that. Unfortunately, I think that, I think there's going to be, once we're all a bit, a, go back to the regular world, I think there's going to be that immediate rush to just make stuff because right. it's been now what, how many months and networks and, and and I can't imagine, you know, a lot of networks say they're prepared, but they're, they're, they're really not because there's a bunch of time right now that has nothing's happening. So it, you somehow it's going to catch up to you. Yeah. And so, you know, the question becomes, everyone's going to go, 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 go. And then it's going to be up to the policies I guess of the network you're currently working with for that particular show. And what, what sucks as a small production company is that a lot of times they do that. They just put it on you and they say, Oh, you know, you guys are, you know, you guys are making the show. What do you suggest? You know, and which is a, at a time of a global pandemic is really not that, in my opinion, not that fair because nobody really knows. And to ask a, a small production company for a major, network or service to say, oh, it's up to you to figure it out when well, they own also, the show. Right. Is, and what is, about insurance? Pretty hard. What about legal yeah. issues? What if you unknowingly put people at risk and then all of a sudden you have a lawsuit on your hands when you didn't even know you were putting them at risk? I mean, it's very tricky. It's it's super tricky. I mean, producing shows is always tricky, right. you know, depending on the show. Now it's trickier. And I don't, in my opinion, I think it's really unfair in a time when nobody knows what's going on to say, Hey, production companies figure this out, you know? And it's like, and, and by the way, you're responsible and you're carrying all the liability. I, I just think that I'm hoping you're right that a consortium of studios, networks, platforms go, okay, here's the industry norm of how we're all going to stay healthy and safe for the next six, eight months, you know, until we have a better clarity on vaccines or, a, you know, antibody testing or whatever it might be. Um, that's my hope. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made and a lot of challenges. And when, you know, there's a lot of different size shows. And so for some of the smaller shows, it's going to be easier for them to get back into production. Um, docu-series or things that have a really small footprint. But some of the larger shows, as Michael was saying, shows that have an audience, shows that have a huge footprint, those are going to really be the challenging ones, the ones that are really difficult to figure out how to get back. And I think probably what's going to happen is um, we're going to be going back in waves and some of those smaller shows will be some of the first ones that can go back. But those um, those larger ones, I think those are some of the, the bigger challenges. And I don't know that anybody really has the answer for that right now. We don't. We need to figure it out. Impact, are you listening? <laughs> okay, so finally, what are you guys watching in these times? What are you into? I knew you were going to ask that. And I to know, be honest, better I, prepared. I'm not because I haven't been watching that much. I would say I've been watching Killing Eve, which okay. I love. Do you watch Killing Eve? Well, okay, here's the thing. Love the first like season. No, I love the I first agree. season. The first season was amazing. Second season was, eh. and then I watched the first 
I, I watched the first half of the first episode of this season and I just said, I think I'm done and I canceled. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, it, the, the <laughs> first season was great. Show. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Sorry, um, sorry. I'm looking for new stuff though. I, I would love for recommendations. I look, I need some new, uh, some new things to watch. So I'm dropping a podcast tomorrow with Alex Piper from YouTube. And my new thing now is at the top of each podcast, I'm putting a few recommendations of stuff that I'm watching or listening to that I like. So stay tuned. Oh, okay. I'll tune into that. <laughs> now then. you'll have to listen. Find out what to watch. Michael, um, what are you watching? Oh, sorry. It, Wait, did you well, have more? Do I have more to? No, I don't. I wish I had. I wish I had something <laughs> more exciting. Why to are talk you working about. and not watching TV? I know. Damn it. Yeah, it kind of sucks because, like, it's like <laughs> I've been. Um, I've been wanting to watch stuff. The only things that I mean, generally speaking, I've been watching stuff that's lighter and fair, just because yes. again, there's just so much depressing stories around us now. So. Um, I've always been a fan of John Oliver, so I watched all of Oliver almost religiously. Don't uh, you think his show works just as well yeah. without an audience? It does work. He's one of the few, I'll have to say, Agree. that has figured it out. Um, I think it's because his show is so just him and it's such a dense, you know, comedy that it you, you could be without the audience and it still works. His um, Wendy Williams segment this past Sunday... <laughs> I, or no, it was two Sundays ago. I, I was Sundays just ago, her. yeah. Oh my God, I was dying. And it then she hilarious. had him on. Yeah, you know, yeah, she did. And they were both wearing the onesie. It was so yeah. funny. <laughs> it was, it was. He's the I just love that he's still able to find, as much as he talks about coronavirus and all the, you know, obviously political and social issues right. there, he still happens to find things that, that makes you laugh. And it's just so ridiculous that, so I've loved him. I've always loved him. I'll continue to watch. Um, I have started watching weirdly, and you know our team at MCM knows this. A show called Dave, which is on FX, which is with uh, this Dickie, is my friend the, Brian Samuel's new favorite show. Yeah, it's actually quite funny, and I found okay. it enjoyable. It's a breezy, easy watch. You know, I've laughed many times. Perhaps it's not other people's cup of tea, but I found it enjoyable. Um, I tried the first five minutes, and I feel like I'm showing my age because I didn't get it at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, who is this guy? What's happening? I didn't it know was he like was fart either, jokes or something. Yeah, just like, it, it, it's a little immature, admittedly. <laughs> uh, but again, like, you know, look where we are. Um, Listen, I'm all for a fart joke. It just wasn't making <laughs> me laugh, but I could give it a try again. Yeah, give it a try again. It, get, it I think it gets better. But he's actually a pretty good actor, I think, for okay. a guy who I think came off of YouTube or something. I think he's actually pretty good. Um. So, yeah, those are a couple. I mean, watch some. We've all sampled some stuff on Quibi, of course, as soon as it came out, which I think was... Uh, not only we need to do it, but it was it was good to see. And I think some of their programming is actually fun. It's fun to watch. Uh, What's your favorite from what other than yours, of course? Uh, I think um, I really enjoyed on the non-scripted side. I've enjoyed Memory Hole, which is the Will Arnett. Uh, it's basically a clip show, but it's very well written. Uh, so What's the conceit? I don't know that listen. one. The episode, one of the episodes that I can remember right now was about the Super Bowl shuffle. Do you remember the Super Bowl shuffle? I mean, was no. this, this, this Chicago <laughs> Bears, when the Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl, they did this ridiculous music video of all the, uh, the players doing the Super Bowl shuffle. And what Memory Hole kind of does is I think it tries to tell you all the things that you probably should have forgotten. <laughs> and so it's sort of done in a That's sort of fun. comedic way. So they start showing you all these other sporting teams that that followed <laughs> with these really terrible, terrible video clips of them performing these horrible songs like hockey teams and basketball okay. teams and all stuff. And it's quite amusing because A, you don't remember it or forgot and B, it's really not good. So it's almost <laughs> like a clip show about stuff that's not great. And it, it's almost like the reverse thinking. But That's the writing's fun. really good, and Will Arnett's really funny. Uh, it's good. I love good. him. It's a good watch. Yeah, it's a fun watch, especially for nostalgia people. Like, you like that stuff, you'll enjoy it. Well, guys, thank you so much. Of course. It's great to see your smiling again. faces. I'm happy to be in the two-timers club now. You are. You're getting closer to yeah. the robe. I know. I know. It's exciting. It's exciting. There's three-timers and four-timers, I think. Um, something for us to work towards. There's... I think Laura Richards might be four now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's intense. <laughs> Something to aspire to. One day. Yeah. If I deem you worthy. I know. <laughs> well, guys, Crossing as always, I'm fingers. proud of you. I'm Thank happy you. to hang out Thank with you. you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Happy to hang out with you too. It's always fun to talk to you and see you. And um, next time over drinks, maybe socially distant drinks. Yes, for sure. But some drinking involved. (laughs) For sure. Yes, with plexiglass (laughs) between all of us. Yes. Exactly. Thank you guys. Thank Thank you. you. Okay, so that was my chat with Dwight and Michael. And again, you can see their new show, Floored, now on Quibi. And now I am talking to my friend and former boss at Mac Pictures, Mark Caden. I worked with Mark in development last year and got to know him really well. He and his company are doing great things. They've got two seasons of a show called Car Masters on Netflix right now that you can binge. They have a show coming up on Quibi called Bad Ideas with Adam Devine, which sounds really fun. We talk about that. They've also got a big upcoming special for Discovery on Mount Everest that will be amazing. I was there um, when we were developing that. So be sure to look out for that. doesn't have an air date yet, but it is coming up soon. So Mark and I get into it. We have fun talking about what's going on now, what's going to go on hopefully in the future, and how he's doing in quarantine. I'm so excited. I am here with Mark Caden of Mac Pictures, my friend and former boss. Hi, Mark. No one is your boss, Elisa. You are your own boss. <laughs> well said, boss queen. <laughs> um, hello. Hello. How are you holding up? I am doing uh, fairly well, I think, uh, on a roller coaster ride like everybody else is right now. Um, we should say you have young twin boys, so... That just puts you in the crazy category first off. Yeah, I think it puts me on a little bit of a different tier um, of insanity. But yeah, it's it's there are days when I'm grateful for the time at home. And there are days like right now where you actually see my office in the background where I escape to um, to try to get away just for a little bit of sanity and peace of mind. It's so important to grab it while you can. Absolutely. So you run a company, obviously, that you founded. And this is the kind of thing when something like this hits, that's obviously unprecedented. All hell is kind of breaking loose in every business and in our industry too, obviously. How did, how early did you see it coming in terms of how it was going to affect Mac and what were kind of the first steps that you did to get the house in order to start planning for worst case, which is kind of where we are? Um, I don't think we saw it coming very early. I think I remember my agent was on the phone and saying, this Corona thing is going to be bad. And I just kind of glossed over it. And then I think it hit and we figured everything out as, as like everybody else. I think it just, I think it took us all by storm at how serious it was going to be. Um, we really just did an assessment of where we were going to be with our projects, which projects could, you know, we could do editing from remotely. Um, obviously even in the first week we have a a Netflix project that was still filming during this. And it was kind of like, okay, we got on the phone and said, we need to be careful, but we can still film because we had a pretty isolated set. And then literally 24 hours later, they called back and said, we've decided to shut everything down. And I don't, that car masters. That was car masters. Yeah. And how much had you shot? How much was in the can at that point? We were, we were very early on, very, very early on, um, which is okay. I, it's, you know, things are going to be fine and, and all of our projects are going to be coming back except for, we have a, we have a big event special that involves sharks. Um, and if we were filming, we were supposed to film out of Australia and Australia as of now is shutting their borders for the rest of the year. So that one wow, in jeopardy. Oh, I love that show too. That's such a bummer. Um, no, it's, it's still going to happen. We, we are either going to pivot and try to shoot it, uh, in Mexico, you know, in the fall, it's all, you know, it's all the, the great white shark, uh, sort of it's their schedule, not our schedule. So if they are there, the great white sharks in Mexico, um, they're in Guadalupe, (laughs) they're off of, uh, in Guadalupe and they will be there in the fall, but Australia, the season was right now. We actually would have been filming in early April. Um, but the network has still very much been very supportive and is still very much behind that one. And they haven't said, Oh, you know, now that it's now that we can't film it in Australia, then there's even a chance that we would just do it next year. If, if everything goes well. Right. And can you say who that's for? That, that one's for Quibi. Okay. 
And then so. you guys have another show for Quibi the, with um, Adam Devine. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Adam Devine. Is he, is that, ha- was that already in production? That was already uh, in production. That's what we've been posting this, the last, you know, six weeks. We just are pretty much finished now. That was an eight episode order and we had just gotten done with seven of them. So there was that last one hanging in limbo because we were waiting for one of the co-stars who was a pretty high level talent to be coming back to the States. So we were going to hold off for a couple of months uh, for that one. And then obviously that's not going to happen now. So there were options of waiting, but I think we've decided we're just going to go with a seven episode order. And tell us a little bit about that one. So that one is called Bad Ideas with Adam Devine. Um, and it's basically anything Adam wanted to do that was insanely crazy um, with a co-star and, you know, swimming with piranhas, um, joining the demolition derby, which was an insane thing because he, you know, people were gunning for him because he is, uh, you know, on his car, he had written Hollywood celebrity just as a joke and everyone's trying to, get to kill him. How much is so, the insurance I mean, on that um, one? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the really fun ones was called death road where we took him on the death road in South America and, and he, uh, drove down death road in an ice cream truck with, uh, Anders home, which was a lot of fun. So, you know, it's, it's actually was the best show that could have happened at this time for me because Adam is so funny and I just, you know, it's not serious at all. I love being able to laugh at the cuts and just not take it seriously. And that's totally the medicine I needed right now. Yeah. It feels like the perfect show for quarantine just to be escape and just see people actually doing things in the world. Exactly. Exactly. And we'll see, we'll see with Quibi. I've, uh, have you downloaded Quibi yet? Yeah, (laughs) I haven't. I know. And I just interviewed some other producers about shows on Quibi. And I said, you know, I really need to download Quibi. It's time. It's a really, you know, it's a really nice platform. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I haven't gotten through more than probably five or six shows at this point, but I really like the layout and the platform. I think they did a really nice job. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be harrowing for them to launch at this time when it's a basically on the go kind of platform, but you know. So I heard now they're making it TV compatible, right? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I think that's what I saw because I think they're realizing that they'll probably get more eyeballs. Oh, okay. That's probably a very smart idea at this point. Yeah, it makes sense. The guys um, from Mission Control were telling me about a show they like with Will Arnett about like bad. It's like a clip show about bad memories. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. They really like that. That's a really good show. I mean, there's a lot of really like flashy things. I mean, Dishmantled, I thought, you know, it's 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 a really funny idea. I don't know how long it goes, but it's, you know, they where they get two chefs and they, you know, blast them with a cannon of food and they have to recreate the dish. I mean, oh, that's fun. It is like it, there, there's some really good stuff on there that is just, you know, eye candy. And then there's also the taking docs that are very serious as well. So it'd be interesting to see how it does. I wouldn't bet against Katzenberg, though. That's for sure. I wouldn't either. It's true. And also those things are sometimes a slow burn. I mean, they have no library. It's not Disney. They have to really create everything from scratch. That's not an easy feat. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I will. I will download this weekend because I am actually interested in a bunch of stuff. And when does the Adam divine show drop? That will drop in July. Um, So that will come right after the paywall hits, which is good and bad. I mean, I think what's nice is I think they're trying to market it uh, as a great show. Like, Hey, you should pay for this. Um, But at the same time, obviously, everything is free on there right now. So, you know, I assume there'll be some drop in viewership. But, um, yeah, that's when we're slated sometime in July. So you and I were texting, I think, last week. And you mentioned that you've had success pitching and selling stuff during this time. What has been that process? And how weird is it to kind of start doing stuff by Zoom and... Are you showing sizzles why executives watch on the screen? Like, how are you adjusting to this new normal in terms of how you're trying to sell shows? Um, you know, it's, 
you know, I probably should have specified a lot of it were shows that were already sort of in development. We've gotten a, a fair amount of development deals during this time, but you know, you intimately know the details of Mac pictures, but you know, we don't, we don't, we develop a very different way than a lot of people. Um, we don't, I never look at a network mandate and go, let's find a show for that network mandate. We have always said, let's go with our gut and what we feel like is a great show um, or has great characters. And then we'll figure the rest out. So, um, you know, I know a lot of companies pivoted very quickly to, Hey, let's find a show that can be all done at home and zoom. And we didn't do that, but we looked at our slate and said, what can be done? That's very Corona friendly. Um, but I just don't have the bandwidth in our development department, um, and elsewhere to just start chasing our tail a little bit, because what happens when we come out of this, I don't think it's going to be an attractive buy to find something that's, you know, just Corona proof at this point. And a lot of our projects there now I'm creating two budgets, one that's Corona friendly budget and a, and a non Corona friendly budget, which all the networks want because they're like, let's assume that we're going to be out of this and you can shoot this how you want. And let's, let's also just have a contingency just in case. That's what I wonder about in terms of the former, like when we get out of this and you can shoot it how you want, even with that scenario, I think there will be changes though. It's not going to be exactly the same. So have you thought through, especially because you shoot so much around the world, you're, you're, a lot of your shows are, you're really in the mix doing crazy things and, you know, involve a lot of touching of things and people like every show, but there's different things. Have you thought about in terms of how you're going to have to adjust in production going forward? <sighs> You know, fortunately, I'm not fortunately, unfortunately, I mean, I'm gonna, obviously would love to do, you know, bigger game shows or whatever that may be. But, it, you know, the truth is, is we do a lot of remote stuff with smaller crews. So I don't really um, think that it's going to change other than the fact that, you know, there's one show that we sold that's going to that, that the location is on um, an island in, you know, outside of Alaska. We're probably going to test every single crew member that gets on a plane. And then, um, you know, to make sure that we're not infecting that, that far away place. Um, and then we'll do our thing, you know, like car masters were in a garage together. We're going to make sure that I think everybody is tested and we're going to take all those precautions. I mean, Netflix, I imagine will have, you know, a 50 to a hundred page manual on how to <laughs> deal with everything at this point. So which, um, which is good. I mean, I think we need maybe not 50 or hundred pages, but I think we need guidance because there, I was just talking about this as well. There's a lot of tricky issues with insurance and legal issues to make sure that you're protected as an independent producer and that you're not unknowingly put, putting people at risk. Absolutely. I mean, look, there's a lot of liability that's going to go into these things. I'm sure, as you know, there will be a lot of lawsuits. I'm sure that'll pop up when people get sick or not and how they got sick and things like that. But, you know, I'm not a paranoid person by nature, um, you know, in that sense. And I think, you know, I think we just have to do the best we can, really. There's, there's only so much we can control at that point. So in terms of the stuff that you already had, are you allowed to talk about the Discovery special? The Everest stuff? Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you I don't it. think it's officially been announced yet, but yeah, I mean, we've, it's a project we've been working on for two years. It's, it's, it's now we, we finished online during this time that will be, um, that will be coming out on discovery. It's, it's, they don't, I don't think they have an air date yet for it, but, um, so we'll be doing that. Yeah. I mean, we, what else is going on with that? Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, and I, I've listened to a lot of the people that were on your podcast. I mean, we we had to furlough a few people here and there, but um, I will say, and, you know, Netflix, uh, the fortunate thing about working with them is, you know, they set up this really big uh, $100 million fund to help producers. And that allowed me, because we were already in production on a few things with them, they actually are paying or paid every single person of our in our crew through April. So it just today is basically their last day. Um, and that was a godsend. It actually allowed us to keep a lot of the staff on here because that's part of the crew of the, you know, the field shows as well. So really it didn't affect us because of Netflix's help, which was, which was great. Wow. Shout out to Netflix. That's great. I know. I know. Love I mean, to hear it. 
yeah, it's really, it's really nice that they did that and they were very generous and it, it took a load off quite a bit. And, and so really most of the staff is still on except for a few, you know, development employees and things like that. But, you know, editors were still on for the most part. Um, all of our support staff was pretty much still on. So when you're talking, cause here's the thing about you that people should know when <laughs> I out you know that all the networks know you and love you and you're very successful, sell a lot of shows, produce a lot of stuff known as a really excellent producer and, but fly under the radar for the most part. Like we're, you know, when I tell people I was working for Mac, like who's Mark Caden, you know, and then every network executive knows and it's like, Oh, that's great. So I think that that's enabled you to do really great work, but also I think the networks know that if they're going to take a project from you, it's going to be good that you're not, like you said, you're not just developing like, Hey, what about this? What about that? You know? I mean, obviously we have that relationship where we can run things by executives, but if you have to believe in something to really do it. So, I mean, my, my, my joke is that, I mean, and, and I always say that I'm not the greatest salesperson around. It's that's a par- part of the shtick as well, but um, really where I've been able to, to sell the shows is that people know that if they buy a show from us, it's going to be done the right way and they're going to get quality. And the struggle with being an independent company like, like mine is I'm constantly reinventing myself. Um, I am not a company that has a massive hit on the air that, is recurring and coming back and I know is going to keep the lights on. We luckily have a lot of shows that are now in their fourth and fifth season, but call it luck or whatever. I don't think it's luck, you know, when something is a monster hit, but I, I, my mantra has always been put the money on the screen, be a good partner, do as the best work you can and the rest will fall into line. And it it's, it's paid off. I think it's finally paying off. I think people are seeing through, some of the great salespeople that aren't getting shows to second seasons and that, that kind of thing. And I think people are appreciating the fact that we are very hands-on here. Um, and you know, that's the challenge for us moving forward is how do we grow? How, you know, we already, right now we have seven, eight series that are going on, you know, and you know, my partner will very well. He's a very, he's a creative genius. Um, and how do we, how do we keep the level and quality consistent while we have more and more things going on. And that's, I think, anybody's challenge in general, but especially with a smaller company like mine. Right. And you can't clone yourself. I mean, you have your reputation as you get your hands dirty into everything, but there are only so many hours in the day. And with eight series and now with twins that you have to be with every day, I mean, come on, you're one human. Yeah. I mean, it's tough, but we we find a way. You worked here, you know, for a year. It's like, it's as we say, like, you know, when I'm playing golf, it's ham and egging it, you know, it's like, uh, it really is. You just have to, it comes from all sides. People step up in different situations. Sometimes people fail you some, you know, finding good showrunners has gotten harder and harder and harder, but you got to keep the people that are, that do good work for you and you have to treat them well and hope that they stay. And, you know, one thing about me and and you know, this is, is it to a fault is that I'm very even keel. Like so annoying. (laughs) The day that I sell a series, you probably won't get a rise out of me is the same day that I lose a series. You know, it's like, you probably won't know the exact same expression. Like this is amazing. Come on. You're like, yeah, it's cool. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe it comes from my years of competition and, and athletics, but you just, I feel like, you know, I never get too high and too low and it, my goal though, is to try to celebrate the victories in life better, you know? And I think, um, when you were here, you and Stephanie used to joke about how annoying I was because you're like, you just sold a show. Why are you not more excited? Shouldn't you be jumping up and down and going out to, you know, celebrate? I'm like, I could lose something tomorrow. I don't know that I thought was going to go, you know, the Jew and you, I guess so. (laughs) Doom and gloom, baby. (laughs) The doom and gloom. Yes. (laughs) Listen, it's also good because I get excited. And then if something doesn't work out, I get real low. So the even killed is actually admirable, admirable, but yes, you should get a little more excited. Come on, pop some champagne or something. All right. I will, I will do my best next time. If All right. There is last question. Time. Is there, yep. if there is a next time. That's funny. 
So I know you're busy, but have you had any chance to watch anything? And if so, what are you binging or dropping it on during quarantine? Um, I, you know, because of the kids, I don't think our routine has changed a whole lot where I can sit on the couch and, you know, cause <laughs> I weirdly am working as harder if, if not harder right now at, you know, on shows, we have a bunch of stuff that was about to start up. So anything that's going into pre-production, there's a lot of work that has to be done. But, um, you know, my routine with, with Natalie is, uh, is usually like we watch Jeopardy almost every night. Um, so good. Yeah. And then weirdly, like just for our stupid pleasure, we watch murder. She wrote, which is, uh, And this is a straight man, everybody. You know, yes. that's like a gay guy thing, right? Is it really? Jessica Fletcher? Really? I yes. did not know that. Hilarious. Um, so we will do that for fun. Um, you know, I, I've gone back through the office a bit to, to check, check out those always episodes. Good. It's always going to be good. I mean, I would go back to 30 Rock because it's one of my favorite shows, but it's just, you know, I've seen it too many times now. That's the best show. It is. Um, and then... Netflix, obviously I watched Tiger King, you know, I actually didn't even finish it. Uh, I got to like episode six, I think it was, and kind of knew already what had happened. As an animal lover, wasn't that a tough watch? It was a very tough watch. It was a very tough watch. Um, it just, it, it was amazing how, you know, I can't believe a hundred million people have watched that. It was just a phenomenon like I haven't seen in a very, very long time. It was the combination of obviously a, a great story, but also timing, impeccable timing. And that was like week one of quarantine. Impeccable timing. Yes. Um, fortunately, Car Masters dropped uh, in week three of quarantine. So we like almost doubled our numbers of season one. And I've, you know, Amazing. I would love to say it was because the show was <laughs> so three much better good. in season two. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was very good, but uh but I really think we got pretty lucky in dropping it during quarantine. Are people going back to watch the first two seasons? Um, So this was, this was season season two. two. I haven't gotten the data back from Netflix yet. Um, I think they'll probably get more data in the next couple of weeks, but you know, I'm not allowed to, you know, discuss numbers, but but definitely what was cool was um, we had a lot of, a lot of viewership and over 50% of the people that started the series had, um, had, had watched the whole series in the first seven days, which is pretty amazing. Wow. That's great. Congrats. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, but like, that's, it, it was, uh, it's great timing for anyone who dropped a show right now or who had a show about to air. Cause it's perfect. <laughs> it is. Well, we'll see what happens with everything, but I'm very excited. You guys are doing so well and we'll continue to, hopefully after all this mess and it's good to see your face. Good to see you too. It's been a while. It has been a while. (laughs) After quarantine, we'll have to go grab sushi. Okay. Absolutely. Kwame. Kwame's closed right now though. The Kwame's Oh, not even for delivery. I don't think so. I think it's closed. Yeah. I miss sushi. (laughs) The little things. You can still get sushi by the way, just so you know. I've had some. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. All right. Well, we will talk soon. And thank you for doing this. All right. Thanks, Lisa. 